What's happening? It's Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. About, uh, I don't know, 3.15 Pacific Time. Thanks for listening. Still a lot going on. A uh, lot changes each time we we have a chance to talk. It's been about 24 hours since I last recorded, last published. And the press is doing its thing. It's getting a little bit repetitive. I opened the show just talking a little bit about how the media is going to do what it always does. Um, it's nice to have the proper lens to see it, you know, because of people like Rush Limbaugh, Tucker Carlson, you know, any of the conservative media hosts that are out there and have taught us over the years how to view the media for who they are. We can see this coming a mile away. And we'll get into that. The rehabilitation of President Joe Biden is on in full effect. The press has moved on from Afghanistan. They've moved on. You'll see the occasional analysis piece from the CNN types, but there's always going to be a cherry on top of the turd that they're forced to publish. They're always going to close it or put a tone to it that helps the president. That is their agenda. He is their boss. We'll talk a little about it. Um, Fortunately, Fox News has put out some audio comparing the today Joe Biden to the 2001 and 2008, 2009 Joe Biden. The 2001 Joe Biden comes from October 2001, so right after 9-11. And he's certainly taken a tone change on Afghanistan specifically over the years. We'll talk about it. I'll play some recording just to give you an idea. Off the record, military, active military leaders in the Pentagon, in command, are disgusted with what happened in Afghanistan. And these leaks and these protected sources are sharing what they believe, how they feel, with the press that's willing to publish it. So basically, Fox and your conservative media, who are barely able to be on Twitter, Facebook, there at least is some reporting of this. And it's going to keep it alive. I don't want to make you think it's futile that these right-leaning, these conservative-friendly, and any of the reporters out there who want to do their job and objectively report a story and hold a White House accountable, that's what they're supposed to do, they're going to give a voice to these military officers who, for obvious reasons, can't identify themselves. These people do not want to end up like Lieutenant General Scheller, forced to leave their command and now retiring on his choice without benefits. But again, we talked about it. He's going to be fine. Um... We're going to talk about the liberal mafia and and what they're doing now. It's what they've always done. You think of La Cosa Nostra, you go to the Jersey, New York crime boss days. If you've watched Sopranos, Goodfellas, any of the classics, or if you're willing to spend a little time on Wikipedia, you understand how mafias organize themselves. And it's always been, in my lifetime, the liberal mafia. And they have capos, meaning captains. There's a capo as part of the mafia for the LGBTQXYZ movement. There are capos that run BLM. There are capos that run the women's march and women's rights movements. And they're out in full force right now because of the Texas abortion law that went into place is effective today. And the left is melting down. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the University of Virginia Department of Education who decided to get involved and prep teachers on how to discuss the attacks on 9-11 because the anniversary is coming up. 
and God forbid you use the word terrorist. This video is of some leftist, I mean, pinko, right out of the book, colored hair, commie, who's managed to set up a comfortable position, I'm sure of tenure, in the University of Virginia Department of Education, their professor staff. This lady has released a how-to video, an informative and instructive video for teachers and administrators alike in the state of Virginia to ensure that their messaging on the anniversary of 9-11, the 20th anniversary of the attacks on September 11, they want to make sure that the message is inclusive. And they don't want you using the term terrorist. They want you to use the term extremist. On another note, what we'll talk about today is the oil supply problems, the obvious issues we have because of Hurricane Ida hitting the Gulf Coast so hard. And guess who we're going to be buying oil from? And guess who's going to experience not just a price increase, but potentially a leap in the coming days and weeks because of the damage down there and because we don't have enough supply on our own and have gone back to being beholden to foreign agents, to foreign countries, to OPEC, to Russia for oil supply. So Joe Biden, who I don't believe can perform in the evening, I think when he was debating Trump, and remember, the presidential debates were one of the many things that were very friendly to Joe Biden. There were only two. The second debate was scheduled to be on foreign policy. And it's important to know that it was during the COVID hysteria. This was about, I'd say, a year and change ago. This would have been a debate in October of 2020. And although things were getting better, COVID was the excuse, was the tactic, or really the, the foundation of the strategy and tactics from which the Democrats were running the presidential campaign. So there was no way Biden wanted to do a second debate in person against Trump. So he was able, his people were able to get to the organization, I can't remember who it was, some academic groups, we know how they lean, to refuse to do the debate in person, and Trump wasn't going to do it. I don't think it was a bad decision even in hindsight, because a virtual debate would have been a Trump muting and censoring fiesta. He knew it, his people knew it, live and in his face is where Trump wanted to be. Well, that debate would have been on foreign policy. And those debates, the reason I'm bringing up, we're always, bringing them up is always in the evening, right? They were always at some time around 7, 8 Eastern. Biden is on Eastern time. That is well past his take your meds bedtime. He was clearly suffering from cognitive decline well before the debates, well before he ran this time around. And to protect him, they had to have, I think they call it daylighted him, essentially shifted his schedule. It's very hard. Start getting him to bed later as the debates approach, getting him up later, just shifting his schedule almost like he's in a swing shift or getting him ready for a graveyard shift. You can't do that long term. So therefore, why doesn't President Biden, when he addresses the nation, I mean, you can look at that room. I believe it, I said the East Ballroom, I've been there, but I'm, I can't remember specifically where the evening presidential addresses take place. But Biden's are, are early in the day by any standard compared to any president in my memory. 
evening prime time is when the president of the United States addresses the nation. That's when people are home from work. That is when the most Americans can tune in. That's one thing that hasn't changed over decades of having a television audience in the United States is the presidential address and anything of, of merit is going to be broadcast live in the evening, prime time, hence the name. Well, Biden does these, especially you know, yesterday's and, and lately all of them, early afternoon. And I think there's two reasons. One, he can't physically do it any later. He struggles to read from the teleprompter at any time. And we all know, whether you have dementia or not, whether you have any issues, the more tired you are, the poor, the more your performance is poor, right? The less you're going to be able to do, the less clear you are. It's harder to read. It's harder to talk, especially if you're not used to being up late and then someone asks you to perform late. It's difficult. And so this guy is only able to speak to us in the early afternoon before the early bird special, before the twilight hour when he has his team, gets ready for bed and puts his slippers on because the country is being run by a doddering old man and he's still in the basement. Even when you see him, he's basically physically and mentally in a basement. It's also the other reason is they don't want high viewership of Joe Biden when he speaks. So it works out as a great tactic, having him perform, having him puppeted for these addresses earlier in the day. It's not the usual. It's extremely abnormal. It's painfully obvious. And I don't know how long they're going to be able to prop him up. Because although the press is going to run cover for him and try to run some kind of rehabilitation, the Afghan story is not just going to go away. Okay, there is going to be more and more leaked and released about why it happened the way it happened, about how we got here, specifically the withdrawal and how it was executed, which it really was a retreat. So they've tried the logistical celebration, how this is the greatest airlift in the history of mankind, and it was an amazing accomplishment by the military getting that many people out. And that's why they only talk about totals, right? They only want to hear or us to hear about the 100,000 plus. They don't want us to talk about Americans who have been airlifted because that stat begs one obvious question. Well, who did we leave behind? And that's what our military members, active duty, veterans, reservists, all of us are so disgusted by. Because it goes without saying, but we have to say it, we don't leave Americans behind. You can find quotes from Barack Obama, from Joe Biden himself, tweets that are out there, you've probably seen them. Whether they're talking about domestic policy, foreign policy, it doesn't matter. We don't leave our people behind. It's not a unique concept to the military of the United States. It's universal in a country that has respect and pride in the people who are willing to give their lives for their freedoms. And so it's disgusting, and it's that's not going away. And, and I, it shouldn't. But it's going to be minimized as, as best CNN can do it. And so prepare for that. It's going to drive you nuts. Try not to get too emotional or upset. I certainly do sometimes. But I'm telling you, 
it's going to be different in a good way. Although the same playbook is out, although the same people are doing what they normally do, the right, the conservatives, and the moderates, the independents, are emboldened by the fact that Joe Biden is of questionable ability, to say the least. And that's going to hang over him as long as he's in office, because it's not just Afghanistan. I've noticed prices. You can look at prices other than gas. The inflation is real. Everyday items that I buy, especially food, have increased anywhere from 15 to 25%. Something that cost me around $10 is costing me around $11.50, $12.50. Whether it's a gallon of gas, milk, it doesn't matter. That is going to hammer the people that Democrats need to not only show up for elections, but to vote for them. That's their one of their biggest turnout areas is the lower middle class, right? People that live paycheck to paycheck, that struggle, are going to struggle more under Joe Biden. And this gas and oil issue is certainly not going to help. But there's supply issues everywhere you go. You talk to somebody that sells something that's manufactured anywhere in the world, You can't pinpoint it to one region, whether it's manufactured in Asia, Mexico, South Africa, Southeast Asia. There are significant delays and decreases in available supply. So it's simple economics, right? That supply is dropping. There are less workers. With the supply dropping, there's less demand for transportation of these goods. And there's so many other factors going into why we're going to experience inflation, hopefully not backbreaking. And it's all under Joe Biden's watch. His biggest mistake was cutting off the ability for our own domestic oil companies to drill on federal land. That hammered places like New Mexico. I believe about 90%, maybe more, of the oil drilling operations and other resources in New Mexico are on federal land. States like Texas didn't get hit as bad. So fortunately, we don't have every oil worker, every roughneck, every foreman, every driver who depends on that industry for a job. Not all of them are unemployed. But there's been an obvious pullback there as well. And so it's all it's all over, over Joe. He's not equipped, we know, to handle this, and now he's got people that are going to try to spin everything and save face. Afghanistan's the start. The extraordinary success we talked about yesterday, that's the quote. He's defiant. He's this, he's that. They're going to all be terms of strength. They're going to try to endear him to Democrats, independents alike. They know they've lost us. They know that Afghanistan, if there was any doubt, or if there was any possibility that someone leaning right someone who identifies as a Republican, would come to Joe Biden. Those days are over after Afghanistan. I don't think in the next couple years he can repair any relationship with people that might have been on the fence going into an election in 2024. And really, I don't believe we're going to be talking about Joe Biden then at all. There's no way he's running for re-election. That's going to be Kamala. I don't see how they get around it because the Democrats can't step on themselves and run somebody against her in the primaries, they're going to want to. 
but then they're going to be sexist and racist at the same time by doing it. How dare they? You have a woman of color, the crown jewel, someone who should never even be contested. How dare you? Running for office as a Democrat, she's going to be untouchable. I don't know if anybody will run against her. It might be the coronation that Hillary Clinton expected. She didn't get it, and Kamala won't either. But it's, it's going to be a brutal street fight now, and you have to be ready for it because liberalism is easy. It's easy to recruit for that mafia, that army, because being a liberal doesn't ask anything of you. It doesn't ask you to be principled. It doesn't ask you to be consistent. It really asks you to just feel your way through life. And I'm sorry, do what's easy. There's nothing bold about protesting for women's issues in the United States today. I'm sorry. It's not something in and of itself that's impressive. It's your right, and you're going to have protection from the police, from the press, no matter what you say when you scream into the microphone. You are not taking a risk when you protest liberal issues in the United States. No risk whatsoever. You're totally protected. You're totally coddled. And nobody on that side cares what the results are. They don't care if your protest does anything. They don't care if your protest, your gathering turns into a riot. They don't measure results. They don't look for success by measuring results. The success is just the activity. It's how loud you are. It's how rude you are. And in many cases, how violent and disgusting you are. Because it's all about attention. So it's easy to be a liberal. You basically have to be your worst 13-year-old self. And so that's why their mafia, their army, is always going to grow. That's why they can get things done under the table. Because they have capos, they have the captains running these organizations from the NAACP to BLM to ACORN, remember them? It's, it's nuts. And they are all aligned in most cases. Now the LGBT, you throw the T in there, community starts getting dicey because the feminist capos, that army, that crew doesn't like the transgender agenda. You can read about it if you search. The press does not want you knowing that there is major infighting. There's their own street and turf war going on between the Alphabet Club on the LGB side. The feminists are on their side and the T's because the feminists do not like somebody who's biologically male spreading pixie dust on themselves, throwing on some eyeliner and saying they're oppressed or as much of a victim as women are. That victimhood is owned by the women, by the feminists. Now, don't, don't think all women. If you don't agree with these groups that claim to be for justice for you because you're a woman or because you're black or Mexican or Latino, I'll never say Latinx, or gay, just disagree with them on one issue and see how welcome you are in that crew. See how the leaders, the capos treat you. See how the mafia treats you. Look at Larry Elder, born in South Central LA, went to Crenshaw High School, black candidate for a governor, been a syndicated successful radio host in California, and nobody in the liberal mafia will support him 
they will go as far as to refer to him as a white supremacist. That's how insane and how sociopathic this mafia is. And it's no different when you look at the Italians, the Russians, the Irish. They're a bunch, they, were, they were crazy. We've, ro- we've romanticized the image of the Tony Sopranos, of the Bananos, of all these characters, the Al Capones. And it's fun to watch the movies. But deep down as adults, we know these were sociopathic, psychopathic killers that were all about protecting their family at any cost. And if you stepped out of line, if you didn't agree, if you weren't in 100%, blood in, blood out, you were taken out. You were done. That's how it's getting on that side. So they are loyal. They don't care what happened in Afghanistan. They don't care what happens on the southern border. They don't care what happens with inflation to your house, to anything in your life. They do not care. They will be more aligned than ever because they are a mafia. And the orders have gone down to all the capos and all the soldiers. Line up, close ranks, circle the wagons for Joe Biden and the Democrats. There's nothing we are going to do to change any of them. Not in numbers that matter. We have to get people before they're recruited by this mafia, before they start buying that it's about justice for them. Because once they buy into that, it becomes very clear that they have to believe everything the mafia believes. You can't be a member of the LGBT community and want activism and want to change things for that community unless you do it the way they say you are to do it. If you are a conservative in any way, fiscally even, if you considered voting for Donald Trump even just the first time, you can't share that. You are done. Same if you're black. There is no worse group to be in as a Democrat than someone who's African American. I don't, that has got to be the toughest position to take. And for any of you that are My hat's off to you. I don't know if I could do it. You are the most unwelcome person in the room, especially with those white liberals, because you simply don't know what's good for you. And that's why we refer to that group and that party as the plantation. They want you there just like the Democrats of the 19th century pre-Civil War era did, and plenty of people who identified as Republicans later. But the Democrats are the ones who are going to tell you and lie to you that they're representing your best interests. But it's amazing they do it without talking to you. Or if they talk to you and your best interests don't line up with what they think you should believe, they dismiss you. But that's not enough for the mafia. The mafia wants to destroy you. Disagreeing with you is not enough. You will never hear a modern-day liberal on the left goes without saying, say, agree to disagree and maintain a civil posture. It won't happen. If it does, you found a unicorn, please let me know. They can't do it. They've gone too far down the road of Trump derangement syndrome, and this is beyond Trump. It's all of us. They've applied Trump to us. You don't even have to say you voted for Trump. If you identify as a Republican, you are now the American version of the Taliban. Google it. That's coming out of Texas with the, uh, with the new law now. As of September 1st, today, abortion in Texas is illegal if it is after six weeks. So if you are 
six and a half, seven weeks pregnant, you cannot legally receive an abortion in Texas. I personally supported the law. I think it's an excellent law. I think a lot of care went into the legislation, and it has been a nuclear bomb of screech proportions for liberals, of course, not just in Texas, but across the country. They're going back to their analogies of women's slavery. They're talking now because it's easy, because it's cute, because words matter more than actions with the left. They're talking about the Texas Taliban. These dolts, these emotional dimwits, have the nuts, my favorite analogy to apply to the feminazis, they have the balls to talk about the Taliban the day after the Taliban has taken over in Afghanistan, is celebrating in the streets with our own equipment, their victory, which it was, they have the balls to compare Texans to those psychopaths who are actively right now brutalizing women, making their lives hell, and, and really torturing them. They're going to call a Texan the Taliban because of a law that went into effect today. They're lunatics. They don't care about the optics. They want to destroy you. They want to paint you as a racist, bigot, homophobe. And guess what? You don't have to be white to be a white supremacist. That's the real, it's the trendy, elite, late night cocktail academic discussion they've loved to have since Trump became president, since he was running. It's white supremacy can exist anywhere and that the weak minority mind can fall prey to white supremacy. And that's an agenda. That is a concept they are going to cram into our faces and they've already started. So listen to how coordinated these people are. We've got the Texas Taliban message coming out of social media and left-wing press sources starting today. As soon as it came into effect, they're going crazy. The more approved, I would say the more um, more publicized is the best I can give them. CNN has already published an article today. White supremacist praise of the Taliban takeover concerns U.S. officials. They can't help themselves. They've got to get white supremacy back on the headlines. And if you go to CNN's website right now, it's about 3.40 Pacific time, you will see nothing in any kind of bold letter, picture, or headline mentioning Afghanistan at all. What you will see is a story by Geneva Sands, who's got one of those super strong, stunning, and brave portraits of a woman looking at you like she's going to steal all your money, divorce you after having kids, and break your life. Sorry, that's the first impression I get. It scares the shit out of me. She's looking at you as she writes, my God, the praise has been coupled with a rave of anti-refugee sentiment. So here we go. Islamophobia. Get ready, folks. You're all Islamophobic if you're concerned with refugees not being vetted enough when they come to the United States. You need to shut your mouths and let these people come over. And if you ask any questions, 
you're going to be just like the Muslim camp people that they tried to scare you with back when Trump was take, taking presidency and he did that ban of those countries. We're going right back to it, right? It's all lined up. Texas Taliban, Republican Taliban, white supremacists praise the Taliban, Islamophobia, 9-11's coming up. Oh my God, if you say the word terrorist, it's Islamophobia. We need to be inclusive. They're looking to whitewash or as they're saying now, woke wash, what we all know. The, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and the scumbags who were in any way a part of the 9-11 attacks are terrorists, were terrorists, were extremists. They're both. They're a lot of things. Losers. It, why would anybody change that theme. It's unchangeable. It's the way it is. It's what people need to learn. That there are some really bad Islamic terror groups in the world. There are bad white supremacists. There are bad lots of things. But I'm sorry, globally, for a long, long time, there's one religion of peace that seems to have the most bad actors. It can't be denied. And it's Islam. Now, of course, I know, we know, Kind of thing you have to say, a lot of good people that follow Islam and interpret it peacefully. But you get into the Wahhabi interpretation, the tribal Pakistan, Afghan, what's now popular in Saudi Arabia, Arabia interpretation of Islam, Boko Haram in Africa. These guys are to the bone when it comes to taking out infidels. These are the ones that believe they are not done until the entire world is under Islam. There's no coexist bumper sticker for the Islamic fascist Wahhabi Mujahideen. They're all warriors. Women can't be, but they better do what they're supposed to do for the Mujahideen. And you're a Mujahideen no matter where you are. That is the ultimate way to die, is taking out infidels. But we can't talk about that. Think about how far we've fallen 20 years ago. Would any of you, you think back to like, October, November, 2001. And you think where we were as a country, what we were willing to do to stop Islamo-fascist terror and where we are today. Now, this professor from the University of Virginia I mentioned earlier who came out with a video instructing teachers on how to be more sensitive and inclusive on 9-11-2021 has totally distanced herself from her own words. Even the university has. Because people freaked out. And, and there's one thing you can count on with even the most sociopathic, mind-bent liberal is they're not self-aware. They don't really understand an audience other than the people close to them who all believe what they believe. And they don't care to understand. If you don't believe what they believe, you're an idiot and you need to be educated. That's why they're always condescending and instructive. There's always an inference that you are stupid if you question them. Or if it's a woman, you're sexist. Or if it's a minority that's instructing you on liberalism or racism or anything else, and you have a question, you're a racist. And you could be black too. You got a problem. You're a mouthpiece for white supremacy, just like Larry Elder. And so they're bringing, I mean, this is impressive. This is September 1st, the day after the deadline we had to be out of Afghanistan, per the Taliban's instructions. 
Geneva Sands, white supremacy, white supremacist praise of the Taliban takeover concerns U.S. officials. And guess who they got to back them up with an official quote? This is, this is, it's insane. Um, it's our own John Cohen, Department of Homeland Security's Office of Intelligence and Analysis. And he said, and I quote, that white supremacy and these websites are framing the activities of the Taliban as a success and a model for those who believe in the need for civil war in the U.S., that's from Andy. This is this is what they're bent. Remember, they're invested in it. The Joint Chiefs of Staff, all these guys, white rage. They can't be seen as missing the priority. They need to get back to all of us being most afraid of white people. So when they say white nationalists, they say white supremacy, they say extremist right wing. What they're doing is trying to peel white people apart from each other, black people from white people. Anytime they say white and use a different term afterwards, they're just saying white people. Okay? White supremacy, it's white, white, white. Divide, segregate, divide, and then conquer. And then that and that's the mission. You pick the issue, you pick any part, any capo in the mafia, they're coming after you. Black Lives Matter is not done. They just need the door opened again. And they will find it. It's gonna happen. There's going to be a shooting that will likely come out as justified because of body cam and investigative evidence, but it doesn't matter. If they get the right optic, that crew's coming back. You watch. There'll be a women's march. It'll be somewhere probably in Texas. They don't have Donald Trump or the White House to attack. So they're going to organize. They've got to get the headlines back to their issues, their little worlds, right? Their liberal mafia has got to take control again. Right now, they don't have it. There's a struggle. Because if they're too aggressive in trying to take the headlines back, they'll be too obvious. They know they can't win the elections they want to win with their 35 and 40%. They can't do it. They need somebody in the undecided category to come over. And they are effective in doing that because it's always through fear. They know that there's a percentage of people who will have a high enough short-term fear where they can be manipulated in the ballot box to vote for someone as bad as Joe Biden. Joe Biden proves how powerful fear can be. And the left, the Democrats, need it to win an election. If there's nothing to be afraid of, they're always going to lose. That's why COVID was a dream for them. It was the magic bullet for Donald Trump. It provided the perfect environment and it drove him crazy because no matter what he did, including help launch a vaccine and put together the perfect private and public partnership to get a vaccine that works, in my opinion, out to people as an option faster than any of the experts had said. I remember in the early COVID days, CNN had people on there. They're not there anymore. At least they have some accountability that we're talking 18 months at best. And then, of course, when the vaccine came out, remember, it was Trump's vaccine. While he was still president, you have people that have dual tweets one year apart saying, great, I'll line up for the Trump vaccine. No way. And then six months later, you pieces of shit, the unvaccinated, get educated, get, you know, get the Pfizer, get the Moderna. 
because they're never consistent. It's easy. You can you can change what you say with a whim as a liberal. It doesn't get any better than that. And who better than Joe Biden, who's been two different people over his career, who in 2001 talked about helping people in Afghanistan. And I want to go back to this really quick. Helping people in Afghanistan build a country. He didn't say nation building, but he said some things I agree with. And I want to play that for you right now because I think it's very important. But listen to Joe. Listen to Joe yesterday. And then we'll go right into Joe from 20 years ago. Remember why we went to Afghanistan in the first place? Mm -hmm. Because we were attacked by Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda on September 11th, 2001. We delivered justice to bin Laden on May 2nd, 2011. We know, Joe. Over a decade ago. We had... Now remember, that justice in 2011 was not Biden's call. He advised President Obama against taking Osama bin Laden out. So I always love that he praises it as as an accomplishment that he was a part of when he was the loudest dissenting opinion on going after bin Laden. No vital interest in Afghanistan. No interest. Other than to prevent an attack on America's homeland and their friend, our friends. Whatever we do in Afghanistan, 2001. whether it involves the commitment of military, political, or humanitarian assets, must be geared toward a long-term solution. Wait, what? October 2001, what we were doing in Afghanistan must be geared towards a long-term solution. It goes on and on. He's still supporting that when he talks in 2008 and 2009. So Joe Dementia has totally flipped. And it really has nothing to do with his cognitive decline. It has everything to do with the fact that he is a go-by-the-wind Democrat liberal. He's going to do what his base wants him to do. And his base wants him to take the stance that we were only there to take out Bed Laden and, and we should have gotten out. Joe Biden, after 9-11, said the exact opposite. And he said it more effectively and stronger. So they're never consistent. This isn't going to change. And they're going to attack us on all fronts. And it, they're going to be able to because any issue that comes up, they have the press to elevate it. Today there was a school shooting. It's terrible. I have very few details other than they have not caught a suspect yet. Um, The prayers from the left that it is a white male Trump supporter must be, must be at octables, octables, shadowing words, dictionary. Um, It just must be pretty loud because you know, they got their fingers crossed. They don't really pray. Unless they want something, they probably do. But they want it bad that it's a Trump supporter. It was one person was killed. I I didn't see if it was a student. I think I did. I don't want to. I don't want to say it, but I know somebody died, and it's terrible. And because it happened at a school, it's a school shooting, right? Now, the left is on. You know, you know, I, we know them, guys. They're sociopaths. They want it to be more people than it's a mass shooting. Mass school shooting. That's the playbook. They don't care if it's a mass shooting in Chicago, if it's black people. 
right? Mass shootings happen every weekend in Chicago. That doesn't count. You're not allowed to talk about that if you bring that up, you're racist. But mass shooting involving a white male at a school, ding, 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 ding. That's what they want. And I'm sorry to say they love it. Now, right now on CNN, it's one bullet. It's right below the white supremacy, love the Taliban uh, story. So you got to really find it right now. And believe me, they are disappointed. When I heard it today, when we all heard it, we saw it pop up. If we have any Fox News app or CNN, which I keep just to keep an eye on them, it popped up. I thought, boy, the timing. They're going to jump on this. Well, it, it just didn't pan out for them. Thank God. Thank God it wasn't worse than it is. And it's terrible. School just started. Things are hard enough for people. Somebody, it looks like, sent their kid to school today and that child will not come home. And it's it's a tragedy as it is for any parent. And I can't imagine. Uh, but it's not the story they want it to be. But don't worry. They're going to wait. They know they just have to be patient. If you're part of that mafia, CNN's going to come through. MSNBC, NBC, CBS, they're going to come through. There's going to be an issue that's going to help them put Afghanistan as far in the past for Joe Biden as they can, and the rehab of his image is going to come roaring back. You watch. Now, um, I don't know what that issue is going to be, but we know it's going to be part of some category that they love to, um, they love to go with. Right now, according to a recent poll, 52% of voters believe Joe Biden should resign for the disastrous surrender of Afghanistan. Now, I haven't looked at this yet. It just popped up. Let's see where this poll was from, if I can see it quickly. Do, 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 do. Rasmussen. Ouch. Ooh. Jeez. Where did they get 52%? 52% of voters want, it must be a different one. Rasmussen here says Biden's job approval is 42%. His disapproval is up to 56%. That is epic bad for a president. 32, 32% of people polled, and I'm certain that there were more Democrats. It's always weighted more Democrat. 32% of those people say Biden should resign now. 40% say he deserves to be impeached. 33% say Harris is not qualified to be president. Ooh. And 52% of voters think Biden should resign over the Afghanistan withdrawal. So it must be a difference between now, because if you say resign now, it's 32%. But then Rasmussen has from this morning, 52%. I mean, this is these are numbers that are... I would say impossible to recover from, especially for a Republican. I mean, there's just no way. And I don't see these numbers changing a whole lot, but the Democrats know what to do. They can get him back above 50% approval. They can. They can get a bag of donuts with a name tag up above 50%. They've got the press. But it's interesting with those numbers favoring impeachment, Mitch McConnell won't even consider it. He's on the record today saying Joe Biden won't be impeached. Now, I would agree that uh, Joe Biden won't be impeached while there's a Democrat-run House of Representatives. It won't happen. They're not going to go down that road. They don't even want legislation that puts pressure on Joe Biden to rescue Americans stranded behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. So we're certainly not going to have anybody... Um, anybody in the house on the left 
be open to an impeachment hearing. I mean, Joe Biden is going to have to admit to some wrongdoing, and there's going to be investigations. We know now that the military did some kind of negotiating to a, to a potentially sinister level with the Taliban, and now there's a phone call from Biden to the former president of Afghanistan, the guy that ran with all the money, that he was somehow asking him to tone down the Taliban presence in Afghanistan to essentially make it more politically acceptable to pull out. It was all about the 9-11 date for Joe Biden. He's, he's still going to proceed with this victory message so that he can celebrate pulling out of Afghanistan on September 11th, 2021. We're talking 10 days from now. That was the plan. He doesn't care that 13 service member di- members died. 20 more were injured. And who knows how many Afghan citizens who helped us have died and will die under the Taliban or ISIS. And General Milley today, in a very awkward briefing, had to basically admit that we're going to coordinate with the Taliban to fight ISIS. We're not going to do it ourselves. We are now partnered with the Taliban in Afghanistan. And one of the dumb reporters asking about the relationship with the Taliban now, she used the word frenemy in the White House press room. There are just terms that make you sound like a 16-year-old girl drinking White Claw. Frenemy is one of them, just FYI. I don't care who you are. If you're in a serious conversation or what you think is a serious conversation and you use the term frenemy, it's bad enough. But if you use that term when you're asking the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff a question about one of the most brutal groups of people in the history of the world, and you choose to ask, and it was amongst other examples, enemy, frenemy, lady, you are criminal dumb and you should be unemployed for the rest of your life. I wouldn't trust you with the most menial of tasks. Is that too much to say based on one word? I don't think so. Well, she asked it. She used it. I'm sure General Milley once respected himself, once thought he had a distinguished military career. He doesn't now because your most recent operation, your most recent choices as a commander or advisor matter more than anything. And this guy is a total screw up. And he's got to be standing up there wondering what the hell happened to my career. I have this dingbat with a mask over her face and a name tag questioning me about our frenemy status with the Taliban. That's a low, even for this guy. Well, he deserves it. So it's getting awkward for him. His answer was, it essentially was, well, it looks that way. (laughs) Like, dude, you can say extraordinary success, victory, commend the pullout, the logistics, the greatest airlift in the history of forever. You can talk about all that all you want. You're now working with the Taliban. They are now your buddies. You have negotiated with terrorists and your national security advisor was on CNN. Maybe it was MSNBC this morning on one of them talking about how we're going to start giving them financial aid. So we're going to start paying terrorists in Afghanistan. I mean, We've already given them $85 billion in weapons. We're now going to start sending boxes of cash. That's coming. Obama did it with Iran. 
Democrats love big crates, big pallets of money for sinister characters in the Middle East. That ain't going to stop. Jake Sullivan's talking about it. You're a national security advisor. We're going to start paying these guys, buying their friendship. It is, it's what we learned when we were kids. What happens when you're extorted for money by the bully? He gets a dollar off you day one. He's going to expect that much or more every day. Even if he tells you it's going to stop. The moment you pay him, he's going to keep going until you stand up for yourself. It's mafia tactics, right? It's how it works. Take, take, take until you're defeated. We're not going to defeat them. We're not fighting them. We're depending on them to get Americans out safely. The the State Department said they're working with the Taliban through diplomatic channels. That's how we're going to get these people out. It's pretty horrifying. But um, there's going to be problems for Biden. Jen Psaki didn't want to talk about that phone call that happened on July 23rd with Azraf Ghani, the former president of Afghanistan. I don't think he's president anymore. I don't think he's, I don't think that title's on his email anymore. But Reuters obtained the transcripts and audio. This is leaked of Biden's last phone call to Ghani. This is a big deal when the intelligence community is turning on a Democrat, right? I mean, the intel community, especially in D.C., was is and will always be very anti-Trump. But it sounds like, and this is a quote, I'm reading it, I need, to, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. Again, this is July 23rd, Biden said, according to Reuters. And there is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. Huh? Whether it is true or not, meaning... Even if it's a lie, we have to project a positive picture of what's going on on the ground in Afghanistan. Wow. And you are thinking right now, just like I am, this is a phone call. We've been here before. If you compare that to Trump's phone call, the transcript, which it really wasn't much of one in the beginning, all the the press needed was an interpretation of the phone call to go buck wild and for the Democrats to start talking impeachment. You have a leaked transcript here. I mean, Biden's people must be livid. If you were to compare it with a transcript of Trump's phone call with the president of the Ukraine, who Biden was meeting with today, so the story comes out the day that Biden is meeting with the same guy that Trump supposedly had an improper phone call with. But you you line those transcripts up, there's no comparison. That, that line there is impeachable if anything Trump said was impeachable. If that's the standard, that lines up with just another reason. But it's certainly awful. And we know, goes without saying, it seems like kind of lazy to say it now, if everything were reversed, the same words were said to the former president of Afghanistan on July 23rd before the worst foreign policy screw-up in the history of the United States. If this were Donald Trump, this would be front page there would be town halls. There would be calls for resignation. It would be over the boiling point right now if it was Donald Trump. They don't have a standard. They're not consistent. The left is not going. The press is not going to hold Joe Biden accountable the way he should be held. To this day, nobody's been fired over Afghanistan. Nobody will. 
I didn't think I'd be saying that. I thought one person would go down. But it became very clear that they were actually going to go with this whole victory line. And that they're going to go down the road of victory. They can't fire somebody after a victory. You don't fire the coach after they win or cut a player or release a player after they perform poorly. I'm sorry, or after they win. I mean, the Patriots just released Cam Newton. I don't watch the NFL anymore, but I'm pretty sure it's because Cam Newton hasn't done well in the preseason because Cam Newton has had too many injuries and he sucks now. But he's a big name and I'll give him credit for giving it a shot in their search to replace Tom Brady. Good luck. Now a Super Bowl champion in Tampa, which is fan-fucking-tastic. Big Trump supporter. And it was all him, not Belichick. Everyone's learning it now. Big Bill wasn't some genius. Drafted well, so he had good people. But Tom Brady's the GOAT. Everybody knows it. Cam Newton was never going to fill his shoes. Not his slippers, not his socks, nothing. And they got some rookie who's a stud who's going to try. Good luck, dude. It's a tough town to play in after Tom Brady's been there. And already gone down and won a Super Bowl with the first team he goes to. But nobody's canning somebody after a win. So they went with victory. They went with this extraordinary success line. They can't get rid of anybody. Man, they got balls. Right in your faces. Right in the faces of those families who apparently, one, screamed at Biden and is now saying he rolled his eyes at her when she started giving him shit about talking about Bo, his son, more than talking about her son. Good for her. No matter how upset you are, that's a that's a tough environment when the President of the United States walks in. And it sounds like Dementia Joe went right down the line of a tired, bitter old man, rolled his eyes, and waved his hand at her in a dismissive manner as he walked away. Would she lie about it? Maybe. She wasn't alone. There are 12 other families there that could certainly give a contrasting picture of what happened, but it sounds like everything's corroborated. Keep in mind, Cindy Sheehan, by sitting outside of Crawford, got all the press. And that was for a war, people dying in combat, people with a chance to fight, not being dropped into a situation where you have no idea who the enemy is, you're standing amongst them. And let's be real, if you've been in the military, you know anybody in the military, ask them. There's no question, you want to go fighting, not in some chicken shit terrorist attack trying to do last-minute security amongst thousands of people mobbing an airfield. That's not how you train to go. Yes, they went with honor. Yes, they went supporting something bigger than them. And God love them. But you don't want to go trying to search people and getting taken out by some suicide bomber. You want to go emptying the clip. And so to compare Iraq or a war with what happened with Biden, there is none. Don't let people do it. It's a false equivalency. But even with the situation being drastically different, her son dying in combat, Cindy Sheehan made it all about attacking George Bush, which is her right. It seemed a little bit cheap at the time, but that helped the anti-Bush, anti-Iraq agenda back before we knew what we know now. You have 13 families, many of which are very anti-Biden, very upset, want to speak out about why their kids died for nothing, why their husbands and wife did, which I don't believe is true, but it sucks. And they're barely getting any press. If there was no Fox News, these people would not have a voice. CNN won't return their call. MSNBC, NBC, The View, Good Morning America, The Today Show are not talking to these people. That tells you everything you know or need to know about them. I 
Really appreciate you guys listening. I'm trying a new setup here today in a better room. Uh, trying to get past a little echo. I'm really trying to analyze the sound and get it better every day. I hope that it does. Uh, I covered a lot today. I actually did it in two parts. I hope you don't notice, but I'm trying to keep it organized. I know, I know it's um, the information's moving fast and furious, and it's it's rarely good. But if I can implore one thing upon you today is beware of that liberal mafia. Don't get taken out by them. They will come after you in your place of work, where your kids go to school, on social media, anywhere they can hurt you. They will simply because you disagree with them. And they've got different crews that can come at you from different angles. So think of it in those terms. That's who we're up against. We have our team and it's strong, but we're doing it without the press. We're we're doing it on their terms. We don't control the playing field. Don't forget that. Don't get cocky. Believe me, I'm wearing my F. Biden shirt to the gym as soon as I get it. I'll flex in that all day long. Wear what you want to wear. Do what you want to do. Just know it's not okay to disagree with these people. No matter who you are. You can be an immigrant. You can be a woman. You can be a minority. It doesn't matter. You're just as bad as a white nationalist if you disagree with them. It used to not be the case. It's that way now. Beware of it. Please take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow. Have a great evening. God bless.